Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. To stay connected with what's happening at Vintage, download the Vintage Church app to access sermon notes, events, devotionals, previous podcasts, and discover ways to get connected in community. We hope you join us again soon. Well, good morning, church. Parking lot fun this morning? Price of progress. Will you give it up for our parking team for just how amazing job they do? Um, I know that, like, to everybody who's on our parking team, you realize you don't just stand in the parking lot, man. I, I value what you do when it's blazing hot, when it's freezing cold, when it's pouring down rain. You guys have a servant's heart. And for what you do, helping people from the moment they pull in this campus know that they're at a place that loves them so much that we want to make the entire experience awesome and fruitful. Thank you for what you do. You guys are awesome. We're so blessed, man. Uh, let's just dive in, okay? Uh, tomorrow, let me do this. Next Sunday, we start a fun series, okay? Uh, today, ain't going to be so, okay? Uh, next Sunday, yeah, we, do, we begin a brand new series, and we're going to call it uh, Through the Window. And we're going to be walking through some of David's psalms. Because to me, the psalms are a window into David's soul, if you ever read the Psalms, you hear this journal of, of a man that was a man after God's own heart. And I think maybe a little bit bipolar. I don't know. But uh, when you read through the Psalms, there is, you, you, you get a window into David's soul. And we're going to look at some of the Psalms that were written after some of the experiences that are recorded in First and Second Samuel. And so we're going we're to kind of dive into that next week. And I think it's going to be inspiring and challenging and, and, and fruitful and all that kind of stuff. But today is going to be one of those days that's just going to be heavy. So I'm, can I just get that out there? Because today we're, we're going to hit a topic in a minute that, that I would rather not talk about. Um, and unfortunately, I think especially the modern church is refusing to talk about. Uh, but um, when God called me to preach, I promised I would preach the full compass of Scripture. And so that's what we're going to do. Um, We've been in a series called The Bottom Line, and we did this post-Easter for a reason, because we know a lot of people over the Easter season come to Jesus, they come to Christ and very new in their faith, and a lot of people at our church are fairly new to faith. Over the last several, you know, year and a half, we've seen dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of people saved and baptized, and you're starting this new journey with Jesus, and you're trying to figure all this stuff out. And let me just let you know, it's okay to not have it all figured out. It's okay to not have all the answers. It's okay to still be wrestling with a lot of what Scripture says. Come on, somebody. Like, I know it's like sometimes I think we, we find people that are so firm in their positions, and we still, we still feel so unsettled, and almost like we begin to kind of doubt our faith, right? Because people come to us and say, well, you should know this by now. I've been a Christian for five minutes. Like, there's some things I don't know yet. And can I just say, that's okay, that's okay. Because there's some things that you have to wrestle with, but there are some fundamental things that, yeah, you need to wrestle with, but you need to settle them quickly. Because it's like if you start building the rest of the house on a foundation that's not shored, it's going to crumble. And what we've been trying to talk about over the last several weeks is those foundational things, those fundamental bottom lines. Those lines that God has drawn, that if you race these, the whole house of faith just comes, comes crumbling down. Because all the other things have to be understood through the light of all these things. That these fundamental things, if they're not settled upon, if you try to settle, um, the, 
I don't want to call them peripheral things, but if you try to settle the other things before you've set, settled the fundamental things, you're going to settle the other things in the wrong place. You with me say amen? And so a lot of times we're trying to settle these really complex issues before we've settled the fundamental things of our faith, and there's a wonder why kind of we're all over the place. And among the, the body of Christ, I've said every week, there's, there's room for variance in some things. There is. But in, in the things that we've been talking about, like, I just don't think there is. I think you start moving these lines, and, and the devil doesn't want you to move them a mile. If he can just get you to move them an inch, he wins. And we started off first, like, talking about the line of Scripture, that we believe the Bible is the, the authority of Scripture as the Word of God. And the reason why we start there is because it's from this line that all the other lines are drawn. That if you don't draw this line, then, then all the other lines are drawn. Where are you drawing them from? How are you determining where they're drawn and how they're drawn? And this isn't just a book. This is not just some random funny stories that maybe once had meaning, but this is the eternal word of God. And that God has gone through all kinds of things to make sure that this was preserved for us and so that we have it. And, and, and we talked about kind of how we got it and all this other kind of stuff. But, but from this line, all the other lines are drawn. And when you dive into the Bible, you begin to learn, first and foremost, that there is one eternal God who created all things and exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the God of the Bible, the only one true God. And settling that God question is the most important question anybody will ever settle. The answer to does God exist will be the most important question you ever answer in the entirety of your life. Every other question compared to that question is absolutely insignificant. But when you say, yes, there is a God, and then you go to the right source to discover him, things begin to happen in your life. And what you discover is from the onset of the pages of Scripture, that eternal God created humanity unique and special. That we are created in the image of God, that all things reflect, all things reveal his glory, but we are the only thing that reflects his image. And he desired relationship with us. And from the onset, that relationship got messed up. That the bottom line is sin severed our relationship with God. The relationship that he desired for us, the relationship that he, he created, the relationship he gave us the option to choose with him was severed when sin entered the world. And we've all sinned and severed our relationship with God. We've all done more than just messed up. We've all done more than just made mistakes. I've committed sin in my life. And it severed my relationship with God. But the good news is the moment sin severed the relationship with God, in verse chapter... In Genesis chapter 3, verse 14, it talks about the fallout of the fall. And in verse 15, it already points to Jesus. That, Jesus from the, that God from the onset decided that he, that he was going to come to us. That sin into the world. And what did Jesus do? He came looking for us to redeem and restore us with him. And all of the Old Testament, it, it, it shows the, the law really was created to, to, create, to, to demonstrate the divide between his holiness and our brokenness. To show how holy he is and how broken we are. And then as the New Testament dawns and Je Jesus enters the world and does everything necessary, that the divide is closed between our holiness and brokenness because of the sacrifice of his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And in Jesus, salvation alone is found in Jesus Christ. Like that pathway back to God, there's, there's not multiple ways. There's only one way back to God. And yes, it seems like an exclusive path, but it's an all-inclusive invitation 
that that pathway back to God has been given to all of us and open to all of us no matter who you are or where you're from or what the color of your skin is or how much baggage you have or how well you've sinned your entire life. And some of us have sinned pretty good for a lot of years. And that salvation in Christ alone, you, you can't earn it. You can't go to church enough. You can't memorize enough scripture. You can't have K-Love on every single preset of your radio and impress God. It's a free gift given by his grace. And we're restored and redeemed in him. But salvation, as we talked about last night, salvation is not the end of the line. Come on. Salvation is the beginning. That salvation leads to transformation. And that we, sometimes we want to accept his salvation but reject the transformative work that the Holy Spirit wants to do and wants to do in us. And that's just not the way God wanted it. Like he, he didn't come just to save us. He came to restore us, to transform us, to heal us from our brokenness, to make us new. When he talks about we were dead in sin, you can't die to sin and keep living like the dead man. That God wants to do something in our lives to transform us. And the whole rest of your life is allowing God is to continue to transform you moment by moment and day by day, little by little, making you into who he designed you to be from the beginning. Because, see, there was a you that God had in mind before you were born that sin broke. And salvation in Jesus and the power of his Holy Spirit working in your life helps move you toward that you he had in mind from the onset. That is good. Thank you. That's powerful stuff. That like you, you're meant to live for more. And like the baggage that, that broke you doesn't have to continue to cripple you through life. You don't have to walk through life dragging that mess through every turn of your life. That Jesus not only forgives us, but he has the power to give us freedom from those things. But there's one more line I need to draw. See, that transformative work will happen the rest of your life. Like you never hit that. It's, it's, it's progressive on like more and more and more and more and more. And the rest of your life is you living in relationship with God, in community and in intimacy and in oneness with Him, where you learn to recognize His voice and you learn to understand Him a little bit more day by day. And you begin to distinguish His voice from all the other voices that are out there, the voices of fear and insecurity and anxiety and temptation. And you, like you begin to just allow Him to look, to transform you. Until the day you die. But death is not the end. Because the bottom line is everybody spends eternity somewhere. The bottom line is everybody spends eternity somewhere. There is, is eternity written in your heart, as scripture says. That you were designed to outlive this life. That you were designed with eternity in mind. That, that when you die, like it's not over. And there's a lot of people that maybe believe that. But those of us who believe in all the things that we just talked about, all those lines that we drawn lead us to this line. That when this life ends, we step into our eternal place. And as Paul would write in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, If only for this life we have hope in Christ... We are of all people most to be pitied. Like if this was all there is, if, if, if the, the struggle and the striving and the pain and the difficulty and the brokenness and the loss and the death, and, and like if this was all there is, 
then we are of all people most to be pitied. But there is more. God has designed us for more. God has, has, has created eternity for us. But the bottom line is, we only get one shot at this life. And our one shot in this life determines where we will reside for all of eternity. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says, Just as people are designed to die once and after that face judgment. Everybody spends eternity somewhere. That's the bottom line. Every human that will ever live, not every Christian, not every believer, every human that will ever live, everybody spends eternity somewhere. And scripture tells us that we spend all of eternity in one of two destinations. Heaven or hell. There's not a third option. I don't believe there's a go-between. That when this life ends, we step into eternity. And we spend all of eternity in heaven or in hell. We love to talk about heaven. Heaven is a word we're not even afraid to use. Good heavens. But it's like we want to just strike hell out of our vocabulary completely. And a lot of places we kind of have. And maybe in, even in some Christian circles we have. Because there's some pe people that believe, no, no, like, like everybody will eventually spend eternity in heaven. From books that have been written about it to just different concepts like like. A good God would never send anyone to hell. I read that statement a lot preparing for this message. But hell is a biblical reality that we cannot ignore. Are y'all with me? I know it's heavy. And I'm just going to be honest, man. Just, just through this week and over the last couple weeks preparing more and more for this message and realizing the weightiness of this reality is difficult. And, and I know it would, you'd be like, well, Matt, oh, Matt, why you got to talk about hell? Come on, man. Like, really? There's a lot of other things that you could be talking about. Like, why even, even talk about it? And again, I go back to, because Jesus did. That's one of the things we have to be reminded of. Like, we, we, we love Jesus, but we, we've watered Jesus down so much to that, like, Jesus didn't say some stuff that he said. Even, you do realize, even in everybody's favorite verse, it, the verse that's in the eye, eye black of every believing athlete in the world. The verse that the world, entire world knows, if you've ever watched it, John 3.16. We love us some John 3.16, don't we? Like, that's something for a lot of people, that's the only verse they know. And they build an entire worldview off that one verse. But do you notice what it says in that verse? For God so loved the world that he gave his only, only, one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have eternal life. But you notice she says, like, God's desire is you not perish, because perish is a possibility. Amen. Jesus came because perish was on the table. Are you with me? Like, even in that verse, God, Jesus is saying, like, I came because if I didn't come and people didn't have the option to choose me, the alternative is you die. Not like you die. You, you, it's death, death. 
Like there's not, there, there's death and then there's death, death. There's the, the earthly death and then the spiritual death. And I came so that the, the death, death wouldn't happen. That whoever believes in him shall not die, die. But have eternal life. And somebody say, Matt, that, like you're stretching it. Like, yeah. No, that's, that's, that's what he means. Like when he says perish, he doesn't mean that like you would just die earthly. It's, it's, a, it's a spiritual death. It's a different kind of death. It's the death death that he's referring to. Mark chapter 9, verse 43 says, And if your foot causes you to stumble, remember Jesus talking about sin and, 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 and the severity of sin and the extremes that we should go to to avoid it. He says, And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to, in, to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. Jesus said hell. Like this is a reality that we can't avoid because Jesus very clearly and frequently pointed to its reality. And probably the most intense place is in Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, let's start with verse 19. You don't hear a lot of sermons on this parable because it ain't real fun to preach. Luke 16, 19. You ready? Say amen. amen. It says, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. You know why in a lot of the ancient scriptures you read about purple being this? Because purple was the most difficult color to ever to dye anything. So like if, if you got on purple today, what up, rich person? It says, at his gate laid a beggar named Lazarus covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades, in hell, where he was in torment. And says, and he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. Now, let me again, let me remind you, this is Jesus teaching this parable. Verse 25, but Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things while, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm has been set in place. So that those who want to go from here to comfort you, so those who want to go from here to comfort you cannot. Nor can anyone cross over from here, over from there to us. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. See, do you see what's happening? He's saying like, so, so this rich man is, is stuck in this place and he's looking up and he's seeing this man that he overlooked his entire life. That he went through life with all the comforts of life. But somewhere along the way, and you notice he's able to recognize Abraham and he calls out to Abraham and even calls Abraham father. So this is a man who would have been religious in some form or fashion. Just a reminder that being religious doesn't determine where you go. And he, and he can feel this separation. He can feel this great chasm. And he feels all this pain. And he's in all this agony. 
and he sees that the one that he overlooked apparently did something that he didn't do or, or he got something that he missed. And he's longing to be not where he is, but where the other man is. And he said, it's Father Abraham, like, let, let me come there. Like, figure this in. He's like, it's not how it works. They can't get to you and you can't get to them. And then he begins to panic. And he says, I got five brothers who apparently are living the same way he lived. He said, let somebody go. Let somebody go and warn them about what awaits them if they do what I did. If they didn't make the decision that I failed them. Like, like somebody go and, and warn them. So they escape this place of torment. And then look at what Jesus says. For verse 29. It says, Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He says, they have everything they need already to be able to know that this is how it's going to end. Like, I, like God hasn't hidden this. That it's not ignorance, it's ignoring the voice of the God that has been chasing them their entire lives. And he says, no, like, they, you know what I think he's thinking? He's like, I had that too, and I missed it. So you got to send somebody from the dead to warn them. In verse 31, he says, he said to him, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Jesus is painting a very clear picture of hell. Like it doesn't leave a lot of room for ignorance. That there is this divide, this separation, and it's eternal, and there's no going back. There's no reversal. And he's painting a very clear picture that, like, he has intentionally and powerfully put everything necessary on this planet in order for us to understand how we spend eternity and where. And it clarifies things even all throughout the New Testament. So why do we have to talk about hell? Why do we have to deal with the reality of it? Because Jesus very clearly and, our, and, and very powerfully articulated to us what it looks like and, and what happens and why it's there. And you know, we're used to passages like this in Revelation 21 because the Revelation passages make it a little bit more graphic. Revelation 21, 18. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the uh, idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur this is the second death. You notice, like, we think the really bad people go to hell. Like, hell is where the really bad people go. But you notice, put that verse back up on the screen. Every one of us is described in that spot at some point in our lives. Amen, somebody. Like, those, basically, anybody without the forgiveness of their sins provided by the power and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. The cowardly. I've been cowardly and refused to acknowledge my faith at some point in my life. 
Some of them, well, that, I ain't killed nobody. I believe. I don't think I'm vile. The whole sexuality thing, But then it gets to that all liars. Who's lied? If you didn't raise your hand, you just lied in church. Sorry. <laughs> Paul would write to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. It says, He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Look at me. Everybody spends eternity somewhere. And there's one of two destinations that every soul spends in eternity. Heaven or hell. And hell is real. And now let me just kind of like, let me help you kind of just grasp a little bit from what I believe scripture says. Like if you want to know what hell is really like, here's what it is. It's all of eternity completely absent from the presence of God. That is what hell is. It is eternity completely absent from the presence of God. I'll be honest, like, there's a lot of language about fire used for hell. But I don't believe that, I believe a lot of that that language is is, is figurative. Like, I don't think we spend, people in, in hell, it's not like you're physically on fire for the rest of your life. You're completely absent from the presence of God. So all the sin and all the evil and all the, 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 the brokenness of your nature consumes you for all eternity. Fire is the only thing that, like, basically is unrelenting in what it's in its pursuit. Just ask the, the people, the first responders in the room of fire. Fire doesn't care who you are or where you are, and like it just burns and burns and burns and burns for as long as it can forever. And basically now, and when, when, when you die this second death that Scripture is talking about, this is completely absent from the presence of God. We think this world is bad, but you realize how bad this world would be if God's presence was completely removed from it. That evil is held at bay because of the goodness and grace and mercy of God. And hell is now God removing himself completely from that presence. And so you're consumed for all eternity by those evil desires. And so there's a, there's, there's a lot of questions that come up. Again, I hear that question a lot. Well, how could a good God send people to hell? God's never sent anybody to hell. That's a choice that you make yourself. Because here's the thing. If you spend your entire life saying, God, leave me alone, eventually he will for all eternity. If you spend your entire life saying, God, leave me alone, eventually he will give you what you ask for. For all eternity. And see, your whole life you're saying, God, leave me alone. And he's saying, no. Because you don't know what it would be like if I left you alone. And I don't want you to have to taste what that really feels like. Because if you keep saying, leave me alone, I think C.S. Lewis said, you'll either say, God, thy will be done. Or God will say, thy will be done. And some people say, like, I, don't, I can't even phrase it. Like, I can't say, like, how a, God's, a, a, a good God send anybody to hell. How, how could a, 
a good God let anybody go to hell? And you know what I say? How could a holy God let anybody into heaven? That's more a powerful statement to me. And people think, well, well, why should, why should I have this short life? It seems like, man, to punish me for all eternity, for, for, for just maybe 40 or 50 or 60, 70, 80, 90 years of sin, like this, does that seem fair? But it's not the, the duration of your crime that determines the penalty. penalty. It's the divinity of the one whom your crime is against that has made it such. Did that make sense? It's not the duration of your crime that determines the penalty. It's the divinity of the one to whom you've sinned against. And people say, well, why can't we just, if we're in heaven and we, if we're in hell and we realize this, like, here's the thing, in hell, because God's at, at presence is completely absent, there's no conviction, there's no understanding. See, everybody on this planet who comes to God is because he's drawing you to him. You follow me? And every time that, that, that you are repentant for the things that you've done wrong, it's because of the, God, the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life bringing you to that repentance but if God is completely and fully absent, there's none of that anymore. Does that make sense? Eternity is complete absence from the presence of God. That's what, that's what hell is. But the good news is, is there's an alternative. That heaven is what God's desire is for you. That all of history has been God doing everything that he could to bring you to him. To make a pathway. To open up heaven's gates for even the broken of the world. Revelation 21 he also says in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away like God makes us a promise that because of who he is because of his grace because of his mercy because of his great desire for us at some point he will restore everything as he intended it to be and make all things new including your broken heart including your broken body including your messed up mind including everything that is broken will be healed for all eternity And, you know, it's funny. I think we think of heaven and hell. We think hell is me literally burning on fire for the rest of my life, the rest of eternity. And heaven is me sitting in a weird-looking diaper on a cloud shooting arrows through the sky. (laughs) And neither are true. Do you realize, like, there's, there's, it said a new heaven and a new earth, which means there's a current heaven and and a current earth. There's the current earth that we are living in that's broken by sin. And there's the current heaven where the souls of those who have already passed are waiting until Jesus comes and restores it all. 
And you don't spend eternity in heaven in some translucent ghostly type body. Like there will be a, a literal, physical, complete restoration of this planet. And heaven and earth will fully combine and meet together. And you will get a new body. And you will have a physical form redeemed and restored as God intended it to be on the onset of creation. Whoo! 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed, for the imperishable must clothe itself, or the, the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true: Death has been swallowed up in victory. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse one: For we know. That when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself, not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to, be, to put on our heavenly bodies with six-pack abs and new clothing. <laughs> and we will put on heavenly bodies and we will not be spirits without bodies. Did you see that? We will not be spirits without bodies. We have this new body. Verse 4, while we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. See, where hell is eternity in the complete absence of the presence of God, heaven is eternity in the fullness of the presence of God. We see but a, but a weird, blurry image now. We just see in part. Then we will see in full. And someday, God is going to restore all this to what it was supposed to be from the beginning. And your 70 years or 80 years or 90 years of struggle and pain and strife will turn into an eternity absent of all of those things and living in the full community of the God who created you and you will never cry another tear you will never experience another heartbreak you will never go through another loss ever and God has made it really clear how you end up where you end up Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, it says, Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Like that's a reminder that there will be some that just refuse to listen to God's voice. There will be some that, for whatever reason, completely reject God and step into eternity Absent from his presence. Again, we love John 3.16. But he ever got down to verse 18? Where Jesus says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already. Because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. The reality is everybody spends eternity somewhere either completely absent from the presence of God 
are in the fullness of the presence of God. Will you bow your heads, close your eyes with me? I got to be honest, I have struggled all week to figure out how to end this message. And I don't really know how. So I'm just going to pray. That's the bottom line. I'm grateful that someday I will spend eternity with the one whom my soul longs for from creation. The God who formed me, created me, gave his life for me, whose grace sustains me and saves me. And from now until that day, I continue to let him work and change and mold and do what only he can do in my life. But I'm also broken by the reality that there are people that I know that I don't know where they'll spend. And I know people always say like, well, what about people who have never heard about Jesus matter? What about these, these children who have never had the chance? What about this? Here's what I want you to know. If you're wrestling with that, let me, listen to me. God always makes the right call. God always makes the right call. And those, and those moments where you're confused of, of how could, what if this person and they've never heard Jesus or what if this, like, God always makes the right call. How could God, God is loving, but God is also just. There is no love without justice and there's no justice without love. Say, God, I, I don't know what we need to do now, but I'm glad that you do. So whatever you're saying to your people, may they be open to hear it. The reality is, everybody spends eternity somewhere. And we're grateful that you've gone to such great lengths to give us a pathway to eternity with you. So God, we lean into you right now and ask your spirit just to, to do what only it can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. To stay connected with what's happening at Vintage, download the Vintage Church app to access sermon notes, events, devotionals, previous podcasts, and discover ways to get connected in community. We hope you join us again soon.